must be It must be different now. She was so pretty. Mm. I miss her so much. We just used to like hold each other. to take care of her. She was my little girl, you know. I just... Where's my little girl? Where's my baby? That is an actor going through it. I've said it many times in my show. Hello everyone. Jeff Tarowski here, The Actors Room, episode 81. That was Mickey Rourke in a film directed by Sean Penn called The Pledge. A quite incredible performance. It's a cameo role. But by God, do you get about 40 seconds of some of the greatest acting you'll ever see in cinema. That's my opinion. Take it for what it is. Watch The Pledge. Jack Nicholson's in it. Mickey Rourke, a very small role. A cameo. And that scene I just played for you was a little tidbit in that scene. With Mickey Rourke and Jack Nicholson facing off. Not really a uh, fight, but just a scene between... A detective and a father who has lost his daughter. You can feel his pain. And from that clip, he has pain in his heart. He just has pain. And you feel it when you watch the scene. Actors like Mickey Rourke don't come along often enough. But I can take it this way. And just watch a performance like that or an actor like Rourke to see something special, right? Because not every actor can do something like that. That's a fact. And it's so much fun to watch him, to feel it with him. Um, kind of talking about this for a while here in the beginning of this episode because I think it's important. And as an actor, I, uh, I love seeing moments like that. Uh, they mean a lot to me. And Mickey Rourke is an actor that means a lot to me. And I said in my last episode, part one, that I believe this man, this actor, this living legend, is one of the most important actors ever in the history of present film. Mickey Rourke, whose real name is Philip Rourke. <laughs> Phil. Not Phil anymore. It's Mickey. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of The Actors Room. I hope it's a good one. We're going to continue on talking about this man. And I kind of left you last week saying how fascinating he is. He's a bit quirky. He's different. 
<laughs> we're going to get into some of the different things about them. But as we start off this show, I want to give you a very interesting quote from Mickey. And here we go. Quote. And I'm going to start it off like this. All right. This is a quote by Rourke, of course. And it's on Nicole Kidman's refusal to work with him. He says this about that. If I was Nicole Kidman, I wouldn't want to work with me either. She'd have to stand up to the plate and get exposed. She wouldn't have known what hit her. I was flat broke at that time. In the film, In the Cut in 2003, would have been my first big part in a comeback. But it was my fault to put myself in a position where someone like her could dictate whether I worked or not. End of quote. Very, very, very interesting quote from Mickey Rourke here. First off, Nicole Kidman, who I think and what I've heard, um, I think she's a good person. I <sighs> haven't done extensive research on her. I know she was married to Tom Cruise. And then that's strange because Tom Cruise is strange. He is. Um, Nicole Kidman has a questionable father. I know that. Um, maybe that makes her questionable. But, I mean, haven't really heard anything bad about her. But, she said, I will not work with Rourke. I wonder how often that happens. And I'm not just talking about Rourke. I'm talking about almost any actor. In these big-time actors, how often is it that a big-time actor, and obviously Nicole Kidman, she is, and in, what was it, 2003, she refused to work with Mickey. Mickey had made some mistakes in the past that we'll get into, but that quote, there are a lot of interesting things in there. Let's uh, point out a few other interesting things about that quote. (laughs) He says that she'd have to stand up to the plate and get exposed. What does that mean? Think about that. What exactly is Mickey Rourke exposing about Nicole Kidman? He doesn't get into that. It strikes me as interesting. He says that. I don't know how much truth is behind that. But he's kind of jabbing her there. Although he says, I wouldn't want to work with me either. But he was kind of in a rough spot at that time. And he acknowledges that. He was in a rut. Going through some shit. But he took a little jab at her there. What is he going to expose about her? Maybe she's shadier than I thought. Let's move on to other interesting things about this quote. She wouldn't have known what hit her. What? (laughs) She wouldn't have known what hit her. Maybe I'm looking into this too much. But those two sentences. First, she'd have to stand up to the plate and get exposed. And then, she wouldn't have known what hit her. Is he saying, I'm such a great fucking actor. 
that I would have put her to the task and she wouldn't have been able to work on my level. Is that what he's saying? Or is he saying something else here? I really don't know because Mickey slips in things from time to time. The things he says in interviews or just quotes that he has that I've looked up um, make me go, well, what does he really mean? Is he being fishy in the way he goes about expressing his feelings or is he slipping in certain little tidbits of information like look into this further, you, (laughs) or is he just being a smart ass? That could be it too. I kind of like looking into things. He drops comments here and there. Take notice. Mickey Rourke is a fascinating cat. And I said before, this guy actually exists. We're going to go on with this quote. All right. Um, He says, I was flat broke at the time. And in the cut, which was in 2003, that's the name of the movie, it would have been my first big part in a comeback. So at that time, he was really on the outs with a lot of people in the business. And not only people in the business, okay, but people in his personal life. Going through a real rough time in 2003. He says also in the quote, we're just breaking down this quote. He also says, but it was my, it was my fault. To put myself in a position where someone like her, Nicole Kidman, could dictate whether I worked or not. This is some fucked up shit. I bring this quote up and when you break it down, this quote has nuggets of information. Mickey points out that it really is his fault to be in that position where he can have Someone like Nicole Kidman decide whether or not he works. He says that's my fault. He pissed off people in the business before that. Having a big mouth and saying things he shouldn't have said. He didn't realize that saying these things and doing what he did back then would put him in this position. Where Nicole Kidman could say, not going to work with Mickey Rourke. Not going to happen. The guy is not going to work then. And that's how he ended the quote. She dictated whether he got a job or not. That happens in Hollywood, folks. Mickey Rourke, part two, coming at you. And here we go. 1983. Rumblefish. This movie was directed... By Francis Ford Coppola. One of Coppola's personal favorites. Okay. I have to note this right here. Um, Doing my research. On a lot of different actors. And directors. And movies. um, I've come across this. That Coppola has a lot of personal favorites. In his collection. You can't have them all be favorites. I'm kind of like that too. I have a lot of favorites. But when you say... This film is one of my personal favorites and like pretty much all of his films are personal favorites. (laughs) Somebody is either misquoting this, um, maybe somebody in say IMDB or Wikipedia or through the grapevine finds it necessary to say 
Pretty much every single Francis Ford Coppola film was one of his personal favorites. <laughs> Could be. Hey, listen, the guy likes his work. If you don't like your work, you're doing something wrong, right? Think about that. Maybe all of his films really are his personal favorite. A little misleading, though. Right? Okay. I thought I'd point that out. Hit me. As I, as I read that, I said, how many times have I read that or have seen that? Because I do a lot of Coppola films, I think he is brilliant. And I would say all of his films are one of my personal favorites. So I guess it makes sense. All right. Moving on. I got my uh, phone going off on like updates and messages. I apologize if you hear stuff in the background. All of a sudden, like there's shit going on here. It's a Saturday night, busy night. Got Ohio State playing in the, uh, I believe it's called the Fiesta Bowl. Big deal here in Cleveland. I was never a big Ohio State fan. I like them. I like Ohio State, the Buckeyes. They're okay. Um, <clears throat> they're on tonight. It's a lot of buzz, buzz in the air. Anyway, getting back on Mickey Rourke, one of my most favorite actors. What a smart ass. Mickey's character in Rumblefish has a tough exterior, but a soft interior. This is common with Mickey Rourke and signifies an actor that has toughness on the outside just by the way they look. The way they act, just how they're portrayed, uh, the certain energy that they carry with them, but also have a soft interior. Brando is, was like that. And I'm bringing up Brando again. <laughs> Go figure. But Mickey had that in Rumblefish. Tough guy with a soft interior. And I mentioned that Brando did the same thing almost exactly in On the Waterfront. This is from Mickey Rourke, remembering this film. He said his character was created as, quote, an actor who no longer finds his work interesting, end quote. At this time, Mickey Rourke is into acting, very young in his career, and he approached this role by looking outside the box of acting, in that he made his role more specific in the fact that he could take this acting thing that's very important to him right now and put it on the back burner by saying, eh, I really don't care about it that much. I don't find it interesting. And I think Mickey Rourke deeply cared about acting. And for him to make that choice is interesting to me because it helped him with the role and it helped the portrayal work. And another tidbit or a certain factoid concerning Marlon Brando was he professed loudly how he felt being an actor was pathetic. Um, a, poor, a poor job or a poor profession to pursue. He felt it was a joke, or he made it look that way. I think he heard in the past, this is still Marlon Brando tidbit, he heard from his real father, Marlon Sr., that being an actor wasn't that important. It's 
Sort of a silly life, a silly job, pretending to be other people, being on stage, wearing makeup, the whole business. It was kind of silly. So Marlon Brando had that, that stigma about acting and how it's not a real job. You're playing, you're having fun. It's not a real man's work. And that affected me reading up on Brando and how I looked up to him and him saying that it wasn't important. I disagree now, but when I was younger, I took that in. And I wanted to point that out because some role models in your life could do that to you. They could break your spirit. And I believe Marlon Brando did that to everybody around him. He made acting in his life less important than it should have been. And Marlon Brando cared about acting. He did. He just refused to admit it. That what he was doing was important. So I wanted to point that out. And I've referenced in the past how I will incorporate Mr. Brando in every single episode I do from now on. And if you don't like it, tough shit. I like how I'm, uh, when I make a point that's sort of snarky, I take my uh, pages of notes and I just sort of, I, 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 I slam them down like this. Like, you know, to put them in order. Like you hear that, right? Like, <clears throat> I'm just making my point. <clears throat> Rumblefish. I liked it. I did. I've only seen it once. About five years ago. It's an artsy film. It's like only in black and white. It's artsy fartsy. I liked it though. But I haven't watched it since. So how much did I really like it? Here's some more notes about this film. Coppola gave Rourke a lot of books to read for the role. And Mickey began to educate himself. Mickey claims that he never really read before this experience. He didn't care for reading. Coppola opened his eyes to book research. This film also taught him how to be bold with his acting. He also learned that falling on his ass as an actor was okay. And you can learn a lot by failing. Mickey tried out for The Outsiders, which was a Coppola film, and of course didn't get a role. But Francis remembered him. And that's important. When you audition for a film, you don't get it. But the director and casting director, remember you. He may not be right for, uh, like, Dallas Winston in The Outsiders, which is I'm, what I'm sure he tried out for, the role that Matt Dillon got. I'm sure he tried out for that role. Didn't get it. Doesn't mean that Matt Dillon's a better actor. I like Matt Dillon, but he doesn't hold a candle to Mickey Rourke. But for some reason, Coppola decided that Matt Dillon suited the role better. And I gotta tell you, boy, was he right? As much as I love Mickey Rourke, Matt Dillon was fucking perfect as Dallas Winston. And I absolutely adore that performance by Matt Dillon. But Francis Ford didn't forget about Mickey. I might have something for him in the future. And he did. In Rumblefish. Okay, the next film up on the list is The Pope of Greenwich Village in 1984. First off, Eric Roberts is fucking strange in his role of Pauly. Very out there. Powerful and risky acting choice of character for Mr. Roberts. 
But you know what? He pulled it off. He really did. If you're familiar with the Pope of Greenwich Village, you know how strange and awkward and just plain out weird (laughs) Mr. Eric Roberts was. And if you don't know this, and I'm sure you do, Eric Roberts is the brother of Julia Roberts. Rourke and Roberts have great chemistry in the film. Rourke says he had the most fun of his career making this film. It's great. I love the gritty feel of it. It's a fun movie, a New York theme, the premise. And I got to talk about Eric Roberts here. Okay. There's a quote that Mickey gave about Eric Roberts that I have to read for you once I find it. I highlighted stuff, so it shouldn't be too long to find. Oh, before I do that, (laughs) I saw this. This quote about body heat. I can't let this one go, but I have to slip it in here just in case I forget. Before we have the the quote about Eric Roberts. This is from The Making of Body Heat, a quote by Mickey Rourke. Quote, I remember doing the scenes with William Hurt, who was a pretty big movie star at that time. And I'm thinking, well, if that's a movie star, I'm not going to have no problem in this town at all. So, you know, the attitude I had back then, it was there from the very start. End of quote. (laughs) Translation on that quote is William Hurt's a big movie star. Yeah, doesn't look like it's going to be too hard, especially for my end. Boy, he was cocky. You know, when you have people telling you how marvelous you are, especially in the beginning of your career, uh, when he was in acting school, got a lot of adulation. I mean, he had Aaliyah Kazan telling him that he gave the greatest audition that he'd ever seen in the last 33 years. That's got to put a little bit of something into your head. (laughs) William Hurt, you ain't shit. Look out, Tinseltown. Mickey Rourke, he's on his way. And he was, folks. He really was. But before we get, you know, further on down the line, talking about Mickey and his great career, let's go ahead. Quote by Mickey Rourke about Eric Roberts, his co-star in The Pope of Greenwich Village, 1984. I found it. It's fucking right here. I want to set it up, though. This was during his acceptance speech, Mickey's acceptance speech, in 2009 from The Wrestler at the Film Independent Spirit Awards. He got up on stage and said this, quote, Eric Roberts is probably the best actor I ever worked with. And I don't know why in the last 15 years, ain't nobody give him a chance to show his shit again. Because whatever he did 15, 20 years ago should be forgiven. And I'm goddamn serious about that. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And like I got, he deserves a second chance. And I wish there would be one goddamn filmmaker in this room that would let him fly because the man, he is something else. End of quote. God bless America, I kind of yelled there. Sorry. 
What a f- His quotes can be dissected for days. You want to do it again? Let's <laughs> go. Do it again. I'm game. I am game. Once again about Eric Roberts. Let's break it down, folks. During his acceptance speech. I... A lot, a lot to chew on here. Eric Roberts, right? I always wondered why Eric Roberts wasn't bigger than he should have. Was he just unlucky? Maybe. Okay. Did he just pick the wrong roles? Maybe. Could be. Does he have a shitty talent agent? Possible. Did he piss somebody off that he shouldn't have? I'm going to pretty much say that's what happened. And Mickey Rourke confirms it in this acceptance speech. The quote I just read. It says, I don't know why in the last 15 years ain't nobody give him a second chance. Right? Did I read that right? He doesn't know why in the last 15 years ain't nobody give him a chance to show his shit again. Because whatever he did 15, 20 years ago should be forgiven. So obviously, Mickey Wark knows Eric Roberts did something he shouldn't have. He pissed off the wrong person. Mickey Wark's done the same thing. Eric Roberts is being shunned or blacklisted in some way. <laughs> He did something. I wonder what he did. (laughs) I'd love to know this stuff. Because Eric's sister, Julia, is a big deal. And I always thought, you know, Eric started first. He did. Eric is older. And he's having, like, really nice roles in the beginning of his career. And then all of a sudden, like, nothing. And Julia is this big star. And Eric really isn't. Folks, he's not. He does like Lifetime movies and shit like that. I mean, he really isn't that big of a deal at all. Eric Roberts. He was. And the Pope of Greenwich Village got great reviews. What'd you do, Eric? What the hell did you do, bro? (laughs) I'd love to know, man. (laughs) I I think Mickey knows. And he's like, give him a second chance. I don't know, man. If it hasn't happened already, it'll never happen. Hollywood is something else, man. You piss off the wrong person, you're fucked. Fucked, fucked, fucked. So Mickey Rourke has stated that people should be bygones. (laughs) Let bygones be bygones, right? Eric Roberts is an amazing talent and doesn't deserve this bullshit. Give him the roles he deserves, Mickey says. And you won't be disappointed. How about that? (laughs) Moving on. Here's a film. Nine and a half weeks in 1986. Mickey gets sexy. Erotic, right? I've seen it. It's, um, it is sexy, right? Marlon Brando's Last Tango in Paris. Another Marlon Brando. (laughs) 
lead-in here. This happened a lot with Mickey. What a big surprise. Anyway, Brando's last tango in Paris was an inspiration to Rourke while performing in this movie. Mickey claims that Kim Basinger was shy in making this. Uh, Mickey, any woman would be. What happened on that set and what the premise was, what it was all about, sex, you know, kinky, you know, progressive, just out there sex. They were doing it everywhere, in any way possible. He felt bad, Mickey did, for taking her to certain places during the filming, sexually. Woo! (laughs) Where did he take her? He took her to the moon and back. And then he went there again. Oh, Kim. Kim said later on that this film was a breakthrough for her in her career. I bet it was. Mickey is okay with the final product of this one. Just okay. Me too. It's okay. The movie was just okay. But a nice note about this one is that Mickey Rourke says that people still come up to him. I'm turning off my fucking phone. This is ridiculous. I heard that in the background. It's going to show up in my show now. I'm getting angry. Getting a little angry. That I had... This is the story. Got a new phone about two months ago. I love it. Great phone. But it's so new. The old app I had called Opinion that I do my podcast in doesn't really work that well on the new phone. It's an old app. And there are certain restrictions on my new phone with the app. So this is what I did. I kept my old phone. And I'm using it to record this episode of The Actor's Room. And I got my phone nearby because I have a little family thing going on. And if my family needs to reach me, okay, they can. I have my phone right here, right next to me. And because I have it available, it's making noise. And it's getting into my show. So I'm, I turned down the volume down. I apologize for the sounds. And like I said before, I'm not going back and erasing stuff. I actually have erased a few things already in the show. I'm trying to get better at this, folks. I am. It's I make mistakes sometimes. I can't I can't be perfect. I wish I could. I can't even imagine being somebody that has a job on a radio show. I love the radio. There are a handful of shows I listen to, mostly sports. These guys talk for four hours straight. And it doesn't seem like they mess up that much. I guess that's why they do it. They're good at what they do. Uh, It's something that you're used to. I mean, they mess up. They do. But it seems to me that these guys don't get the proper respect. These radio personalities, these DJs, doing what they do. It's not easy work. You think, oh, that's easy to do. Try reading off live promos. Some of these promos that these radio personalities do, they are in real time. And once in a while you do hear them mess up, but most of the time they don't. That is not easy to do. So props to all of you out there who are in the radio business. That is not an easy job. 
what the hell was I talking about? I was talking about Nine and a Half Weeks and Kim Basinger. That's good. Movie was okay. Uh, But a nice note about this before I was interrupted by my phone. Let's move on. Is that Mickey Rourke still says to this day he gets complimented about how this movie helped many men in their sex lives. They come up to him and say, Mickey Rourke, you're Mickey Rourke, right? Yeah, I'm Mickey Rourke. Dude, you're a good actor, but your nine and a half weeks role really helped me in the bedroom. I appreciate it. And Mickey's like, wow, really? <laughs> it's, I did? From a mo- really movie? Okay, great. Hey, that's a compliment. And it is. If you're helping out any dude, okay, or woman in the bedroom, and I'm sure he helped women too. If he's helping the men out, the women are also benefiting from this action. It's true. So thank you, Mr. Rourke, for helping out many men in the bedroom. <laughs> Between the sheets. <laughs> there are many bed partners out there who thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mickey. Angel Heart. Angel Heart. And I'm going to say it one more time. Angel Heart. 1987. Evil film. We're going to leave it at that. If you've seen it, you know what I mean. If you haven't, brace yourself. It's evil. It's filled with evil. It's good. Uh, I wouldn't call it great. It's good. It's a good film. It's a creepy uh, suspense slash horror film. Mickey Rourke, Robert De Niro is in it. De Niro plays the devil. It does a damn fine job at being very creepy, eerie, evil devil. The director of this movie said De Niro was so fucking creepy that he didn't even bother to direct him in the movie. He was that scared of him, he just let him go. And because of this, with no direction, (laughs) De Niro's scenes... With no direction in De Niro's scenes and just letting him go, being all evil. There was a clash between Robert and Mickey. I explained this in the Irishman episode. This spawned it, folks. Mickey and Robert clashed during their scenes. There weren't that many. There were a couple. They butted heads. Two titan talents. (laughs) I'm good. Oh, I'm better. Oh, no, you're not. I'm great. I'm greater. I'm the best. Uh Uh-uh. I'm the bestest, asshole. (laughs) Mickey's like, don't fuck with me. De Niro's like, what did you just say? (laughs) Love it. (laughs) See, Angel Heart. A lot of suggestive things in there. I've um, heard other... Shows that I listen to talk about this film and how evil it is. Didn't realize how how many interesting things are in there. Uh, but take notice of Rourke's performance spot on. Most of his work is. Next up, Barfly, 1987. A movie about Charles Bukowski, a brilliant writer. I've read a lot of his stuff. Charles didn't like Rourke's performance at first, but then as the film went on, because Charles 
was like, what would they say? Uh, he helped out in the film. and um, I'm trying to think of the word. It escapes me right now. But he helped out in the film. Uh, it's about him, so that makes sense. And feeling that Rourke wasn't really doing a good job portraying him. Uh, but as the film continued, and the filming continued, he, seen, he soon came to realize, and I hate when I fucking mess up, I did just then, whatever. He realized that Mr. Rourke was getting better and better, and that happens. These method actors, when they first start out, they're really not that good yet. It takes them a while to sort of get going, and it did with Barfly. One of my favorite work films. It's hard to find. I love it. It's raw. And Charles Bukowski is portrayed as very pathetic. He was an alcoholic. He loved to drink. Folks, this guy absolutely adored to drink. At one point in his life, and this is, I'm talking about Charles Bukowski. Work hardly drank or drinks, but Charles did. And I think at one point in his life, this Charles guy, his health was going in the toilet at the age, like he was in his 60s, I think. Went to the hospital, had some work done. And before he left the hospital, the doctor told him, Charles, no more drinking, sir. Stop drinking. Please, I'm telling you. It's the right thing to do. Stop. For your health. If you want to live longer, then <laughs> I suggest you stop drinking. Charles is like, fuck that. And one of the first things he did after he left the hospital was have a drink, have a beer. And he actually lived pretty long. Tough guy. I recommend Barfly, 1987. Another film I want to mention briefly is Homeboy in 1988. And this is the reason why. It's a boxing movie and Mickey wrote it. He kind of wanted to go Sly Stallone here. But he doesn't even get close. Just because... Rocky was just such a gem, a rare gem. Mickey tried to do that with this film, Homeboy. It just wasn't the same, and it's not going to be the same. Mickey tried to do something for him with boxing, and it's really not that bad. The writing is not good. Mickey's not a writer. He's an actor. The reviews were mixed, and goes to show how amazing Sly Stallone is and what he did with Rocky. Um, and not an easy thing to do. All right. Moving on from that, I want to also mention Francesco, 1989. And the reason why I want to bring up this movie is there's a scene where he is completely naked. Mickey, of course. I'm talking completely. Nothing. Get <laughs> out. Guys, you're watching it. You go, wow, okay. But anyway... <laughs> He's rolling around in the snow. Real snow. This is not fake snow. I know this because he's rolling around and he was getting red right before your eyes. He was fucking cold. It's real snow. He's frolicking around in it. Like being all method. Being real. This is what I'm talking about. And I say this often like he's being real. Be real. He's being real. I'm not sure if direct, the director of this movie said Mickey strip naked and roll around in the snow. I just, I don't buy it. This is a choice by an actor. And Mickey Rourke would do this. Making these choices, these odd 
sort of off the cuff, strange, but important to him and important to the character. Rolling around like that, and you could tell it hurt. It would hurt rolling around naked in the snow. I've never done it. I never, ever will. And I'm saying that as, you know, like doing it freely, like if my own accord, I wouldn't do it. If someone's paying me to be in a movie where they say do it, I'll do it. <laughs> but I don't think I'd do it freely. Mickey Rourke does in this movie, Francesco, 1989. He plays like an important figure. And I forgot to write it down. Like a saint, I think. Saint Francis. Don't quote me on that. Naked. Snow. Rolling. Chapping. Redness. Ouch. Next movie. Johnny Handsome. Don't want to talk about it. Moving on. A lot of people love it. I don't want to talk about it. Wild Orchid. 1989. Lousy movie. But I mention it because he met his second wife on this one. Her name is Carrie Otis. She was gorgeous. And she fucked him up. They would be together for a while. Okay. No, actually, I made that mistake just now. <laughs> just now, I made a mistake. I'm going to rewind. They wouldn't be together for long. But she haunted him for a long time. She may still be haunting him. I say that because he actually has a tattoo of her name on his arm. It's still there. I would get it removed. She has nothing to do with him now. He burned a lot of bridges. We'll get to that in a bit. Next movie I want to talk about is Desperate Hours with Anthony Hopkins. I watched this because you have Anthony Hopkins and you have Mickey Rourke. They were fine together in the movie. But it's an movie. I'm not saying it sucked. It didn't hold my attention. Bad writing. Uh... And Rorick's performance and Hopkins' performance are on and off, which is rare. But it was probably just a fucked up uh, writing job, a fucked up directing job. It just looked like they threw it together in like three weeks, which might be true. Okay, right here, I have a quote by Mickey Rourke about the decade to come. Quote, I wasn't in the 90s. I was on the beach. End of quote. All right. Mickey Work burned bridges. We'll get to it now. Let's just say this. He pissed a lot of people off in the business. He turned down a lot of roles because he didn't like to work with certain people. Bad move. Mickey was getting to the point in his career where he felt he could turn down roles. And in doing so, you're now cutting down your chances of not only getting work at the present time, but getting work in the future. It's a bad idea. There are certain people he didn't like. In terms of a working relationship, there might have been some personal stuff in there, but Mickey was hard to work with. He remembers that 
He didn't take it seriously in the 80s and 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. He just didn't. He fucked off. He fucked up. And put acting down here when it should have been up there. Very sad that a talent like Mickey Rourke, and maybe that's just the way it is, these brilliant talents take for granted just how brilliant they are and don't use it to the utmost ability. It's a very sad tale. Brando was the same way. They mirror each other in a lot of ways. It's so sad. Because their lives weren't taken from them at an early age. Like a River Phoenix. A James Dean. And a Heath Ledger. Who loved to act. Would have done anything for a role. And Mickey did do that in the 80s, for the most part. But it slipped in the 90s, and we were cheated. Mickey not only cheated himself, but he cheated us during this time in the 90s. Shame on you, Mickey. And it puts a slight on my love for you in a way, although I do in what I've seen, mostly. We were... Cheated, like I said. He lost his passion. He was immature. He had worked his entire childhood and treated this time in his life behaving that way, like a child. He felt he had to fall, and I'm interested in that. That's what he felt. He felt he needed that fall. That's just the way it goes. That brilliance, the sensitivity, the hurt, the damage that was within his soul. That's the way it was supposed to go. Right? Why question it? Yet Why do that? It's interesting to question it. But I guess that's just the way it is. That's the way it's supposed to be. I'm a firm believer in that, by the way. Everything happens for a reason. I wonder if you feel that way. I do. So at the age of 34, he turned to boxing again. Having his love for acting fade, he went back to boxing. He had unfinished business, he thought, with the sport he once loved. Mickey's record... At this time, the second go-around with boxing was 10 wins, no losses, and two ties. So 10-0-2. He would fail a few neurological exams given periodically in his late career. And he would exhibit signs of memory loss once again. And here's some of the other injuries he sustained during this time as a fighter. Broken cheekbone. Five broken wrists, three concussions, and he broke his hands seven times. In rounding off all these injuries, I want to note, is that he had four broken ribs as well. Okay, 
Mickey would end up needing to have several plastic surgeries done to fix his face because of boxing. And this is interesting to me because I wanted to find this out. You look at Mickey now and his face is just so plastic. Plastic surgery? Uh, yeah. It's showing now. He looks nothing like he once did. I mean, none of us do. I mean, in the prime of his life, he was a good-looking cat. Fine-looking man. And now, you wouldn't have known it. He just looks fake. His face, you could tell, it's been done many times. I wonder how many times he's had surgeries on his face. And I'm thinking, is it mostly because of boxing and some vanity? Because these movie stars love to fix their faces. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Don't even get me started on that shit. But how much of it for Mickey is repairment of his battle with boxing? Okay. And how much of it is just he gets work done? Because Muhammad Ali, I think, has been boxing more than Mickey Rourke. (laughs) And he doesn't look like that. So, like Sugar Ray Leonard? Does Sugar Ray Leonard look like that? No. So, is that an excuse oh, that he's putting in there? I think it is, folks. It looks like he had a lot of plastic surgery done because he just wanted to have plastic surgery. And I'm sure he did have surgery to fix things that happened to him in the ring. Oh, yeah. But he looks the way he does now. Because he's fucking with his face, like Michael Jackson did. And some of these other like stars, like some of the women that have these countless surgeries, they start looking like cats. What is that? Weird. Really weird. But uh, during this time in the 90s, he spent five of those years in a dark hole, he said. I lost everything. I thought I could get it all back eventually, but I couldn't. And then a friend suggested that I get therapy. And I felt therapy was only for crazy people, but I tried it. Why not? He would see his therapist in the beginning about four times a week in person. Now he says currently he's down to a phone call, one phone call a week. It was never drugs or booze that was his downfall. It was his short fuse. He just couldn't take it. He couldn't take people telling him what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. I do it because I want to. And if I don't want to, leave me alone. He got a lot of help, and I love this. I love this part. With his return to saneness. Mickey says that he got a lot of help from a Catholic priest. And I like hearing good things about Catholic priests today. Because they have gotten a lot of fucking shit recently. And I think you know why. Deservedly so. But a lot of bad apples ruin it for a lot of good apples. And Mickey had a very positive experience with the Catholic religion. And more specifically... With a Catholic priest. Mickey says he would call up this priest. At any time. 
and ask for a confession. So the both of them, the priest and Mickey, would sit in the basement of the church. And they would share a bottle of wine together and smoke cigarettes while Mickey spoke the truth. His truth. And says that if it wasn't for that priest, I would have blown my fucking head off. He saved my life. Quote, I had guns. And he said, I had a lot of guns. End of quote. Mickey realized that acting was the only thing he had left. Everything else was gone. He felt like he was out of work for 15 years. It just felt that way. Mind you, he was working at this time, but the movies were garbage. It was like he wasn't working at all. He wasn't. But it felt that way. Work bad. Not artistic. Crap and garbage. And he thought, it's over. I'm done. Nobody wants me anymore. And I'm going to take a break from talking about his career to bring up one of the most significant moments in Mickey Rourke's life. His brother Joey at this time was dying of cancer. He's already in a dark hole financially and spiritually and career-wise. And now his brother Joey, the most important person in his life, is dying of cancer. Quote, He was the bravest person I've ever known, says Mickey. End of quote. It was October of 2004. The nurse was there, tending to Joey. The nurse approached Mickey and noted, Mickey, your brother's dying, you know it. You know it. You're here. And because you're here, and I hate to say it, he would have died weeks ago, and you know why. He's hanging on, Mickey. Mickey nodded. He knew why. The nurse told Mickey, you gotta let him go. So Mickey walked up to his brother. And he was so full of pain. The both of them, Mickey and Joey. Mickey said, quote, it's okay to go to that place, end of quote. Then 30 seconds later, and this is no bullshit, 30 seconds later, his brother Joey finally let go. Mickey keeps a shrine for his dead brother Joey and even has a tattoo of his name on his finger that simply says, Joey. Mickey. Mickey Rourke, ladies and gentlemen. He did a movie called Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man with Don Johnson because he needed the money. He hated this film and said he did it for the money, that's all. I disagree, Mick. kind of like this movie. I like you, Mickey, and I like Don Johnson. Not gonna lie. I'm a Don Johnson fan. I enjoyed this movie, so even though you did it for the money, it's okay. I liked it. I recommend it. White Sands is next with William Defoe. It wasn't bad. <laughs> It wasn't great. 
Yeah. Mickey's character in the movie says this line, which I like. I'm with the C fucking IA, which means I'm with the CIA. I just thought I'd quote that. I think I might cut that out. That sounded really stupid. If I don't, I apologize for that stupid quote. Mickey Works said he wanted to quit smoking during the production of this movie because of his boxing career. He was sort of in the middle of that during this time and felt that quitting smoking would help, you know, be a better boxer. Didn't take. By the end of of the film, he was smoking even more. Mickey Rourke simply made crappy movies at this time in his life. But he does meet Tupac Shakur on the set of Bullet. They became close friends. Tupac would be a good friend and listen to Mickey as he vented his frustrations about his marriage. And Tupac listened. He listened well and he gave great advice. But doesn't look like the advice was too great. Because Mickey and his wife would eventually go bye-bye. <laughs> Tupac's like giving all this great advice. Gotta do this, bro. Gotta do this. And maybe that was just the wrong advice. So maybe that advice really wasn't that great. But Mickey and Tupac became close during the film. And were close friends. To the end of Tupac's life. I guess Rourke co-wrote Bullet. And even was the music supervisor of this film. Interesting. He will always thank one man for giving him a role that would get him back on his feet during this time. And that is Sylvester Stallone. And the movie was Get Carter. It was a nice paycheck. And Sly helped him. I like that story. Sly still kept in touch with Mickey Rourke. And offered him this movie. I like that. Sly Stallone is a good man. The next movie of note is The Pledge. And that was the clip I played for you in the beginning of the episode. That's The Pledge. Small role. Cameo role for Rourke. Brilliant. And I won't talk any more about that. But I will talk about Sean Penn for a moment. He directed this. I think he wrote it. But he definitely directed The Pledge. And he also didn't forget about Mickey. They stayed in touch. They ran into each other at a bar. (laughs) Had a drink. Smoked a few cigarettes. I'm sure it was more than a few. Uh, Mickey might have had a few. I'm sure Sean Penn had about 50 during that evening. But they shared a drink and some cigs and talked about life. Sean realized that Mickey was sort of hard up for work. Said Mick, I'm directing a movie. You're going to be in it. I'm going to find a role for you. Mickey said that'd be great. He was very appreciative of this. At this time in his life, he was struggling big time. Nobody wanted to work with him. But he knew people in the business. He didn't piss off everybody. He liked and gravitated towards the people that were more real. Not the fake people of Hollywood. He hated those people. Right on, Mick. And the ones that were good people, um, real people, doing good work, he would 
gravitate towards. And Sean Penn was one of those people. And that is how he got the role in The Pledge. One of his best performances. If not, for me, the best performance by Mickey Rourke was in that movie. Like two minutes. You got Body Heat in The Pledge. Next movie I want to talk about is Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Great scene when he's ordering a taco. (laughs) He has a little dog with him in the scene. And we'll get into that right now. Mickey Rourke loves dogs. Maybe a little too much, but he loves dogs. And I like that. He's an animal guy. I'm an animal guy. I got a little dog too. He could be a pain in the ass. And I feel bad when like he gets under my nerves or just gets on my nerves. My little dog. And I'm like, ah, son of a... But they're, they're so, I mean, they're so pure, the dog. They really are. You know, they'll love you to death. They will. I mean, it's unquestionable. And Mickey has the same experience with his dogs. He owns like eight dogs. <laughs> he loves dogs. He will actually carry his little dog. I think his name was Paco. And he loved that dog. He would carry it around with him everywhere. He would go on to um, David Letterman with the dog. He'd have it in his arms. He'd hold it. And one of the interviews he gave, he let the dog run around. (laughs) The dog was barking at the cameramen, freaking out. And what an interesting guy. He just is. What other actor would bring his little dog with him? Um, He says that the dogs were... Very instrumental in getting him through that tough time in his life. The only things that he felt cared about him were his dogs. How true it can be sometimes. That they really are part of the family. They're a big part of your life. Dogs. They are. Moving on. Sin City. He was good. But I hated the movie. Downright hated it. It was very popular. Is still popular. Many people love Sin City. I'm not one of them. I think it's crap. (laughs) It's artistic crap. And usually I love films like that. It's different, artistic. It'll spin on it. Mickey's in it. Didn't like it. And I won't talk about it anymore. So no more fart sounds. Next and most important film for Mickey Rourke. The Wrestler, 2008. Mickey's agent called him and said director Darren Aronofsky wanted him so badly for The Wrestler. Darren expressed his frustration that nobody wanted to finance a movie starring Mickey Rourke. It's so hard, Darren said. And he sat Mickey down. Said, I want you for The Wrestler. I want you Badder than bad. So bad that I'm going to have to scold you right now. And Mickey was like, whoa, this guy is confronting me right off the bat. This guy's got balls. (laughs) And Darren does. He confronted Rourke. He goes, I want you for this, but there are ground rules, pal. Number one, you're going to do exactly what I say. No bullshit. Mickey's like, okay. You can do what I say. And I can't pay you. (laughs) Mickey took it on, man. He realized that working with Darren, he knew about Darren. He's heard about him in the past. 
He doesn't fuck around. He knows his shit, and he's going to do a great job. And the possibility that this role could put Mickey back on top interested him, and he was willing to take it. Be a good boy, so to speak. (laughs) He wasn't a good boy in the past. He had to now for this role, and thank God he was. He knew it was going to be big. He told the line. Mickey basically worked for free, but knew this could be the one that put him on the map. He put on 30 pounds of muscle, eating six meals a day, working out constantly. He went to wrestling school for three months, but he trained and worked out and ate on a regiment. And he would get so tired and exhausted that there'd be mornings he wouldn't want to get out of bed. But the trainer would knock on his door and pound on it and get him up. Thank God he did. Thank God the guy came and got him out of bed. Because he gives one hell of a fucking performance in The Wrestler. One of the greats of all time. Doing what he does best. Acting. And The Wrestler proved it. He received the Golden Globe. Was a camp, was a, what, nominated for an Academy Award for that role. Didn't win. Should have. But people took notice of that talent, that brilliant man in The Wrestler. He acted his ass off. He worked his ass off and realized as well how hard wrestlers work and had a new respect for that profession. Mickey went to dark places in The Wrestler. And you could see it. He made brave choices. The right choices. He used the right processes as well. Of relaxation and concentration. Want to note, Marissa Tomei was awesome as well. He gave an iconic performance. There was no distribution for this film in America. Because Mickey Rourke was attached to it. Simply wow. Wark knew the movie would be a success after his fifth day of shooting. Mickey also feels that his character at the end should die. And he deserves to die. Mickey, I feel the same way. You come to hate that character just because of the way he treated his daughter. He's a piece of shit. It mirrored Mickey in a lot of ways in his real life and how he treated his family at certain times. It made the role that much better for him and his performance that much real. He put himself into that movie. 95% of himself into that movie. Mickey Rourke, like I said in the last episode, really doesn't watch his movies. He did in the beginning of his career, but not anymore. He has never seen The Wrestler. He's like, I look at myself every day. I'm done. But interesting. Never watch The Wrestler. That's a great movie, man. You should see it. Mickey, I recommend it. Here's some notes about Mickey Rourke as I round it up in the actor's room, episode number 81. He loves animals and has seven dogs. He's a Republican. That's rare. Interesting actor studio question. And his answer to the question was, what sound do you love? James Lipton likes to ask questions at the end of his show on the Actors Studio. And Mickey was asked a few questions in this one. One of the questions was, 
What sound do you love? And he said he loved the sound of thunder and rain. That made sense. It was the next question that was interesting, odd. James Lipton asked, what sound do you hate? And his response was, chanting. And he gave a smirk after he said it. A disgusting smirk, but a smirk nonetheless. A weird look after answering it. What the hell does that mean? And I get it. Chanting is creepy, but that really doesn't come to mind when being asked a question like that. Like, what is the one sound you hate? Chanting. Oh, that just pops in my head right away. What is Mickey Rourke saying when he says that? And the way he looked after he said it was like, (laughs) makes me wonder, what has Mickey Rourke seen? What has he participated in, maybe? What are some things that have turned him off in the past? Chanting? What is up (laughs) in Hollywood? Not all the time, but sometimes. Before I move on to some interesting quotes, before I end this two-hour show, it's not two hours, but we're getting there, I have to bring up a film called Passion Play. With Mickey, of course, Megan Fox, and Bill Murray. Not the best movie, but I was impressed with Megan Fox. Yes, I was. I was stunned by her performance and how good she was. I guess what Mickey was impressed with was the way Megan acted as well. He was surprised. Didn't see it coming. I didn't either. But there's a scene where Mickey... Downs, okay, before I move on to this interesting part in Passion Play, I have to really put a bow on this whole Megan Fox thing. Never really saw her as a good actress. She is in this movie. Take note of that. But let's move on to another scene in Passion Play that I watched about 20 times in a row. Gotta be a record. This is what happens in one of the scenes. Mickey downs a glass of whiskey. He's all by himself in a trailer. He has all the shit around him. Very specific. You could tell. He's doing his job again. (laughs) Being all specific. In this dirty little trailer. Just going through something that happened in the scene before. He's all upset. Downs a glass of whiskey. He sets the empty glass. Down on the table sideways. He pauses for a moment, looking at the glass. And then just with one fell swoop of his hand, crushes it. And I mean, he crushed it for real. This glass into a billion pieces. It looked like he used a sledgehammer, but it was his hand. It had to be real, folks, because right after he spashes it, blood Spurt out. And I know you could fake that. But not this. Blood squirted out immediately. And he really smashed it. It was so incredible. I couldn't help but watch it over and over and over and over again. Smashed it. Thank you, Mickey Rourke.
few quotes, tidbits about this interesting character. He loves motorcycles. Kim Basinger at one point called him the human ashtray. He walked off the set of Luck of the Draw in 2000 when the producers refused to let him include his pet chihuahua in the movie. He's like, fuck that. You don't want the dog? You don't want me. Mickey turned down Bruce Willis's role in Pulp Fiction 1994. How about that? Other movies he has allegedly turned down are 48 Hours, Platoon, Top Gun, and Tombstone. Those are all hits, folks. In a 2008 interview, Rourke said his five favorite films are The Deer Hunter. Yes, good. The Godfather, of course. The Godfather Part 2. Lonely Are the Brave. Never seen that one. Got to put that on my list. It was from 1962. On the Waterfront, 1954. It's a Brando film. Okay. And Gilda. And <laughs> I need to actually realize this is, is Mickey fucking with us here? Because, <laughs> okay, if, I'm, if my counting is correct, I know how to count. He said his five favorite films were Deer Hunter 1, Godfather 2, Godfather Part 2, that's three, Lonely Are the Brave 4, On the Waterfront 5, and Gilda, that's six. Come, that's stupid. Okay, let's get to some quotes before I end this episode that I haven't yet. I said the one about Kidman. I broke that down. Oh, here's a good one. Get ready for this one, folks. This is on Sean Penn and his performance in Milk. Quote, Thought he did an average job pretending he was gay. Besides, he's one of the most homophobic people I know. End of quote. <laughs> Sean Penn's homophobic, folks. I believe Rourke. I do. Quote, Hollywood is a town built on envy. End of quote. Not a big surprise there. Quote, Actors should shut up about politics because they tend to be ill-informed finger pointers who just cozy up to some flavor of the month liberal. You know? And a quote there. Don't need to go on about that one. We're getting there, folks. On the making of body heat. Quote. Oh, I did this one already. Sorry. About William Hurt and how William Hurt was a big movie star and works like, I could do that shit. Another quote from Mickey fucking Rourke. Quote. Kate Blanchett is an actress. Paris Hilton is not. End of quote. Didn't really need to point that out, Mickey. We could see that. But I'm glad that you just came out and said it, though. Because I think at that time it probably needed to be said. <laughs> Let me say that again. Just in case you didn't hear it. Because it's very important. Quote. Kate Blanchett is an actress. Paris Hilton 
is not. On the last moments of his brother Joey's life, quote, I was shaking. I went back in the bedroom and I put my arms around him and said, hey, bro, I know how painful it is. I told him how much I loved him and everything like that. And I said, if you got to go somewhere right now, I said, go ahead and go there and I'll meet you there sometime. I said, but if you got to go now, that's okay. Because I'll be okay. You understand me, Joey? And he took these weird kind of breaths and died in my arms. End quote. Quote. Hollywood is a very unforgiving place. Yeah. I had a couple more here that I had highlighted, but uh, um, that's really not necessary to that's really not necessary. This one is the last quote by Mickey Rourke. And a very important one. Not really, but I'm just going to say it. Quote, I met Warren Beatty one time. And I thought, what a creepy puke ass. That was in 1994. <laughs> Warren Beatty is a creepy puke ass, folks. Right from Mickey Rourke's mouth. Thank you for listening to The Actors Room, episode number 81. And that was fun. Knew it was going to be fun. It was fun. It was very fun. I'm glad you're listening. And hopefully you're enjoying it too. Talking about Mickey Rourke and just how brilliant he is, was, is, will be. And how fascinating his life is, was, will be. To be continued. He was born in 52. So what is that? 68? 68 around there. Yeah, I mean, you know. He's got a lot of life to live. You know? Uh, I don't know if he's going to do anything like The Wrestler again. Unfortunate but sad that we may have seen the best of Mickey. Probably. Maybe not. But he's blessed us with some great work. A fascinating character. An actor we must respect. Respect I do. No doubt about it. One of the greats ever. His talent immeasurable. His attitude. Needed adjustment from time to time. And in the 90s, he went through it. He came out okay on the other side. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Actors Room. A very important episode. I'm going to break away now. It's been a long episode, a two-parter. Um, thankfully, it didn't go three. I think people lose interest if it keeps going and going and going. That's why I really want to do one-parters. But some of these actors require special attention, a longer episode. Because there's so much stuff. And making one long one can also turn people off, I think. Maybe not. Maybe from now on, I'll just do you know, one long one and not have parts. So maybe it's something I'll look into the future. We'll see. Uh, I hope everybody out there is doing great. You know, I'm doing really good. It's a Saturday night. I'm going to break away. Going to tend to the kids. Uh, my youngest, Lexi. Going to make her some dinner. You know, uh, I had my dinner and it was really good. Like you care. 
Uh, but uh, support the show. Um, iTunes. Review. Remarks. You got it. Don't make me yell at you. Do it. Um, go to the website, theactorsroom.lipson.com. I have a donate button on the show. Please do that. And I'm thinking that my next show might be a River Phoenix update. I explained in my past episodes. Uh, I'm doing like a side thing. Found out information that uh, may require a whole show about what's going on with Phoenix. Um, it might happen next episode. Might not. I might do another actor. And I have someone in mind. Really good one. So stay tuned, folks. Good stuff around the corner. Have a great day. Have a great night. Put in that movie one that makes you feel good. I tried watching Captain America last night. What a pile of corn shit. I can't take these superhero movies, folks. I'll try to watch the second one because of its entertainment value. I'll keep trying. I can't get into these movies. I can't do it. It's so corny. There's some corn I like, but most corn is just that. Corn. I don't like corn in my movies. I like corn in cornbread. Okay? I don't like it in my films that I watch. Give me something of substance that not only makes sense, okay, (laughs) gotta make some sense, but takes me somewhere where I, I think about it the next day. I watched this Jake Gyllenhaal movie the other day. I think it was called Enemy. And it got some bad reviews, but it got some good reviews too. It made you think. The last shot of that movie with Jake, you're like, what the hell was that? That's what I like. Not Captain America. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just that guy. I'm not into those kind of movies, man. The CGI. And the, oh. They're ruining film. I hope they realize that. Give me the old Star Wars stuff, man. I will watch that at any time and still enjoy it. Well done. Okay. I'm going to stop it now. I'm surprised my voice isn't getting crazy. I got lucky today. Thanks again. Go out and see that movie. I can't let go of this episode. I don't want to say goodbye to Mickey. I'm going to have to, Mickey. Doesn't mean I'm not going to talk about you again. You'll come up, I'm sure, because you're amazing. (laughs) All right. God bless you. Have a good one.